Welcome to True Crime Sucks, a podcast about the best and worst of true crime TV and documentaries. With your host, Adam Todd Brown. Hey, everybody. Welcome to True Crime Sucks. I'm Adam Todd Brown. I'm your host. Joining me as co-host this week, you know her, you love her, from Pretty Scary, from Unpops, from all the podcasts, Kim Crawl is here. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi, Adam. How are you? (laughs) Kim, what have we gotten ourselves into with this documentary this week? Dude, I don't know. I had to, like, break it up in more than the three chunks that they broke it up in. Like this I is, had to take breaks. This is the podcast living up to its fucking name. This yeah. <laughs> this crime sucks. Like all crime sucks. I, well, I mean, let's let's be clear. Not all crime sucks. If I was saying like, some crimes. Yeah, cool. if you're like stealing from the government, I don't care about yeah. that. I don't. I also kind of like the people who tag. I don't know why. I just feel like yeah, the artistic. Sure. I like yeah. the artistic graffiti stuff. That's great. Vandalism yeah. in general is usually pretty fun. Also, they climb those high up things. And I know. Then they paint up there. That's but and win. I don't know. I I like that kind of crime. That crime doesn't. But yes, this. Yes, this this crime really sucks. We're talking about Jared from Subway catching a monster is the subtitle of the documentary, and boy, is that accurate. This is God. a 2023 documentary. It's on investigation discovery. I think it's on discovery plus. I know that. And it's probably yeah. an investigation discovery thing. It covers the story of Jared Fogel, the former subway spokesperson who also happened to be a pedophile, but also a much more dangerous pedophile than I even realized because all I knew about no, I this was I heard he got arrested with a bunch of child porn in his possession. I didn't know it went to the depths that it went to. And they depict all that in this I documentary. I remember it was, I, I just remember it was, a, he was a predator of some kind. Yeah. And then that's, I don't remember any of this. Like I knew he was like a predator of some kind and Subway tried to sort of not cover it up, but sort of tried to like. They certainly didn't want to talk about it. Yeah, I was like, well, we're just going to pretend that didn't happen. (laughs) He was one of those that, like, was a weird celebrity. Yeah, and this is different from, say, I mean, there's, like, documentaries about Michael Jackson. There's a documentary about, is it Jimmy Seville? I don't care if I get his fucking first name right, but he was, like, a kid's TV host in England who was a huge pedophile. Jesus Christ. And with those, you mostly just hear from the victims and you hear their account, their account of what happened, which is obviously very important. What separates this documentary is there are so many recorded phone calls and documented text messages of this guy just being the like, I don't know. It's not just child porn. Like he was a rapist, like he He raped kids and bragged about it and i don't even want to say it's not just child porn obviously that's fucking heinous enough but god damn this was brutal and he wasn't like ashamed right you know what like i mean these like there are voice memos or voice like conversations on a phone call where he he was talking about children the way we talk about finding someone attractive as an adult you know what i like i mean he was like oh yeah baby that is so hot like i mean just he was talking about it the way we fucking arrange 
podcasts. Like, hey, yeah. can you meet up at 6 p.m. to record? Also, you know I like them underage. It's like you fucking texted that? Jesus. And that also goes to show, too, in my opinion, how there are like five different Americas. <laughs> and yeah. like the rich white men, they don't live in the same America as the rest of us because that no. guy was worth $15 million and was going to Thailand several times it and seems bragging like, yeah. about the type of children he got to ha- he got to rape and then he'd yeah. go to vegas and then he would text these prostitutes and ask if they had underage prostitutes because he like the younger the better whoever you can bring that's young and just texting and and that part blew my mind i always imagined if you're this kind of person you're like trying to cover your tracks like, and be a little more careful. secretive yeah and he was not and like good because it's what got him caught. And and he wasn't caught for he would they knew about him way longer than he should have been out in the world. Yeah, and we'll get to his punishment yeah. at the end. It's not great. This it is a is. <laughs> This is a three-part documentary. Normally that kind of sketches me out, but I think this one I didn't like if we're just criticizing or talking about the quality of the documentary. I don't like that thing where they jump from like 2007 to 2011 and like I hate when documentaries do that, but I do think this needed to be 3 episodes. Oh, yeah. It needed to be as long as it was. And it's I mean it's an interesting Story. Like the, not so much the Jared Fogle part, that's more horrifying, but like the things people did to catch him and finally bring him to some semblance of justice. It's very interesting and also very frustrating because it yeah. took a long time. Like the point where he basically admits he's a pedophile to the time where he's arrested is an uncomfortably long 11 years right yeah 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 it's like 10 or 11 years and that whole time he's going out to schools as part of the jared fogel foundation which was a thing he set up specifically so he could go out and talk to school kids about obesity and that's where he got his victims from oh god so this starts in 1994 in Indianapolis. First person they interview is a former classmate of Jared Fogel's. And she talks about how he was like overweight. He was a bit of a loner, morbidly obese by high school. And one of those people where like food is his only friend. And like you hear stuff like that in documentaries all the time. And my reaction almost no matter how severe it is, whether we're talking like abuse or bullying, anything like that. It sucks, but it happens to a lot of people, and they don't go on to be Jared Fogle. They don't go on and rape children. Yeah, like, it's just I got bullied not, too. Fuck off. Not yeah. a fucking excuse. Like, I grew up fat. I'm still fat. I got teased by my family. I got teased at school. But I'm not trying to fuck kids. Like, it's not. Yeah. I don't see the correlation. I wonder sometimes if people do that. Because Jared's such a specific, particularly heinous monster that we have to figure out why because we to to endure it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like if we have a reason why he did this, then maybe we can make sense to something that there's just no making sense of. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he was he's sick. Like there's there's something. Yeah. Sick, but still 
because I know people try to make that argument sometimes where they're like, oh, he's oh, mentally ill. Yeah, he's mentally ill. But like, Fuck off, I'm mentally ill. Yeah, you there's, know? there's such a thing as criminally insane. And like, yeah, like he's got a problem, but he needs to be separated from fucking society over. Yeah, like that is one of those things that I'm not a death penalty person. I don't think there's like I, I have a whole we, I mean, that's a whole other episode, sure, obviously. Yeah, yeah. But someone who is able to do that and do that so freely and seemingly accepting of themselves that they're that way should not be able to be here. You you forfeited your right to being a human. I'm and I and I and I have such a hard time with it. And I don't mean put him to death, but it's just like I don't. Why is he allowed to come back? Like why? You know what? I, like yeah. There's no cure for that. There is no cure for what he what's wrong with him. Like that's a. I don't think I don't and I don't know. But I just I feel like if you raped 14 women, you would be in prison way longer than. Oh my. What Gerald, Jared Fogel gets for raping 14 kids. And he basically, he killed those kids. Like those kids are never, ever going to be able to live in this world. No. As like a, a fully, like he, he took something from them that they will forever have to. Yeah. That's almost worse than killing or than killing 14 children. Yeah. It's, it's really bad. It's really it's fucking so bad. sad. So the documentary gets into his rise to fame, I guess. He lost 245 pounds in a year just eating Subway sandwiches. And I, I don't I know. remember if, when I, I was so stupid. Remember, remember hearing about that? I was like, I always thought I was like, there's no way. And then I, and then I watched it. It was like, oh, he ate. He was starving himself. Yeah, he, he starved had, himself. Yeah, but he he gave himself two sandwiches a day that basically one had no meat and one had meat. And then he only ate twice a day for a year. (laughs) Yeah. He was anorexic. That was like, yeah, it wasn't. He had an eating disorder. It wasn't Subway. You're not supposed to only that's. Yeah, I remember hearing that. So dumb. In retrospect, there's no way that diet is safe. You shouldn't lose 245 pounds in a year that's like 20 anyway. pounds a month right yeah it's like severely <laughs> unhealthy god damn and so this became big news and he becomes a spokesperson for subway in 2000 and he starts showing up in commercials people start calling him jared the subway guy it was all very inspiring at first and this documentary really is such a great example of how it doesn't matter what a person's public persona is, especially when we're talking celebrities, like you don't know that person. It doesn't matter how smiley they are in their commercials. Like just always remember that they are still people and people are a faulty fucking bunch. And Jared Fogle, his image was always just this like dorky kind of harmless guy who, oh, lucked into losing all this weight. Now he's got this subway job. Isn't that cool? And behind the scenes, he's like the worst kind of criminal. Like the worst kind of monster. So bad. Like it's hard for me to even call this true crime because it sounds so crime is just not. That's a cute word 
for what this person did. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like at yeah. this point, it's not a crime. You're you're it's, a. I don't have a word. You know, like it's it, an atrocity. Yeah. And the fact that he was able to just live in the world and the fact that we're going to allow him to come back and live in the world. If someone on the battlefield in wartime did what Jared Fogle did in the course of war, that motherfucker would be tried in The Hague for war crimes. Yeah. But because it's, yeah, a rich dude, so very little. Like, he went to prison, and we'll get there, but... Yeah, yeah, well... Ugh. Let's keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So in the fall of 2006, he sits down with a local reporter named Rochelle Herman during one of his many visits to local middle schools in the Lakewood slash West Palm Beach area. Man, pedophiles love West Palm Beach and Palm Florida Beach. Florida just... <laughs> yeah, bad times. He talks about child obesity at this school function and how he wants to help children and after the interview he starts like flirting with Rochelle a little bit and she tells him that her daughter Angela is very excited to meet him they film a television interview at a local middle school after that Jared starts flirting again this is the part that blew my fucking mind I mean so many things in this same blow my mind but according to Rochelle, and I have no fucking reason to doubt her, right before no. the camera starts rolling, Jared leans over and whispers something in her ear. And she says in the documentary that it was so horrific, it changed her life forever. And what he leaned in and told her was that he thinks middle school girls are really hot. And it's like, this is a reporter you're talking to. I don't want to sound like I'm blaming her obviously but i'm like what about her made him feel comfortable within what like two they had spent maybe two hours together and then i was like how many if, and i don't and i mean like i'm not being like what about her that made her that but i'm like that made me believe that she couldn't have been the first person that he just casually said this to you know no. what i mean we're jumping ahead a little but when we get to talking about his business associate, Russell Taylor, like that's the biggest twist in this to me is the mom in the Russell Taylor oh, God, I, situation. I, I, I had to pause and that was the end. I almost threw up. Oof. So, yeah, it's probably not the first time he's run this bit on someone. But the first time someone was like, I have to stop this somehow. Yeah, you know, like, and I, I, I wonder if anyone watching this at any point questions whether Rochelle maybe was at first kind of like into it. It's hard, like listening to her asking him questions about it almost made my almost made me want to vomit as much as the things he said. Yeah, she did a very good acting job, if nothing else. That to me is someone who must have been through something herself. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. like the fact that she was able to just be like, I will disassociate to the point that I can ask this pedophile very specific questions on how he gets little kids. Yeah. I mean, I like, think ultimately she does the right thing. For sure. I think, I mean, I, I feel bad even insinuating why yeah. would he be feel comfortable talking to her I just, it made me be like, he must have 
talked about this with more than one person. And I think that speaks to just how, like, rich. But even the, the other rich, thing. Yeah, is celebrity. Sh- yeah, the thing that's shocking about that, though, by that point, he wasn't that much of a celebrity. Well, no, 2006, he'd been at it for about six years. Did you ever think he was, he walked up to me in the middle of a crowded bar, was like, hi, I'm Jared from Subway. I would be like, who? Oh, right. You're that guy that lost all that. Like to me, he, and I don't know if it's just because we live in the land of celebrities. Yeah. So to me, he's just some guy that was on commercials. I mean, he's hitting like small, like West Palm Beach. It's not huge. Like it's not New York City or nothing. Like (laughs) I can see people in these schools he visits being a little starstruck with him because I think you are looking at it a little bit from the point of view of being in LA where you know you get out to the Midwest I'm a celebrity when I go out some places yeah and I'm like like, you've been on I was on the history channel once and I'm like a hometown hero now I was on dating in the dark and I went (laughs) and then I went to my high school reunion and I all but signed autographs yeah exactly (laughs) so like a conquer spaniel could have done this job by the way like it wasn't (laughs) So I could see Jared Fogle really having some sway over people. The other thing that struck me about this is what are the ramifications if that doesn't go the way he wants it to go? Like what Rochelle did is really the only course of action a person in that situation could take. Because I know it's tempting for people at home to be like, oh, why didn't you go directly to the police? Because he would just say you were lying. There's no proof. Like you didn't record him saying it. It's like the same thing as people saying, why didn't you tell someone when it was happening? Right. And it's like, well, there's many reasons why not. And they're not all the same. And it's not black and white. But like you said, like this woman needed proof. She would have walked into the FBI saying, this is what he said to me. This guy who was like the, the boy next door type figure, you know, the FBI would have been like, what? Get out of here, crazy lady. And you know they wouldn't have done anything because at one point they interview an FBI agent who's like, it's no crime to be attracted to kids. It's a crime to act on it. So at that point, she's just going in and saying, hey, this guy's attracted to kids. And they're going to be like, not a crime. Can't do anything. And so I want to live in a world where we just put those people somewhere that's away from everybody. That would be the best. That's it. That like like there's no oh you're attracted to children cool here is a building you all live in bond over that but like you're not in society anymore yeah. like that you know what it like not a crime I guess but yeah fuck. and I mean that's where it gets into oh this person's just sick I imagine there are a lot of people who are sick in that way who also don't act on it so even then oh well they're sick doesn't matter they still doesn't matter still victimizing people and yeah that's the problem that's the difference so he leans over and whispers this to her and then she's got to regain her composure and do a tv interview with this dude in front of these middle school kids too weren't they all in the room after that (laughs) yeah she's got to like hype him up to a bunch of kids after he just leaned in and was like hey i think most of these kids are pretty hot yeah i am attracted to this room yeah I can't make that funny. I was trying to. Yeah, this is a hard one to make funny. So Rochelle decides she needs to gather up some evidence that she can take to the authorities that will hopefully prompt them to investigate. And about six months later, the American Heart Association arranges another interview with Jared Fogle on Rochelle's show. We should mention Rochelle, when we say she's a reporter, 
she hosted a local radio show. And she was kind of a celebrity Florida. in and Sarasota yeah. herself. Yeah. yeah, she was a bit of a local celebrity. And during that encounter, she manages to get Jared's phone number. And they start communicating. She records all the calls. This is where I think if people are skeptical about Rochelle's motives, I think this is the part that kind of proves she was actually in it for the right reasons because she starts recording phone calls way before Jared starts talking about pedophile stuff on the phone calls. Do you think people have the opinion that she was in this for the wrong reason? I feel like they imply it a couple times in the documentary, but they more, I think she's in it for fame. Well, it seems like they ask the question more knowing that people at home will ask the question. Like at one point after Jared has admitted a bunch of stuff, the filmmaker kind of breaks in and is like, well, how do you know he's not just lying? Like, how do you know he's not just Like, he thinks you're into this stuff, so now he's, like, talking up his accomplishments or whatever to impress you. How do you know he wasn't just lying? Like, they ask her that. Yeah, this is such a weird... If a woman told you that she was into little kids, most people wouldn't... Most non-pedophiles, I'm going to go on a limb and say all non-pedophiles would look at the person they were into and be like, oh, I'm out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A yeah, pedophile yeah. would go, me too. You know what I mean? Like, right. that's, there's no world that a non-pedophile would hear. I don't care if it's the most attractive person on the planet. If came to me and said, I'm into little kids, and I was like, oh, I really want to impress him. I'll tell him I fucked a kid. You know what I mean? Like, they're yeah. 100% everybody would go, I'm oh, good. Well, no, you know what I, I mean? don't, yeah, I don't think they were, like, implying Jared didn't do this shit, or that it wasn't a thing he was into, but you know, but they're he, implying at home people might question that, yeah, you're saying? because he was just talking. Like, there were, there were no dates. There were no names. There were no times. Like, he was just saying, like, I don't want to fucking repeat the things he said. I can't. I don't know if I can. Yeah. Yeah. Not on a fucking podcast. Only on a fucking investigation discovery documentary, I guess. And it was him saying it, too. Yeah. So she does get him to the point that he's comfortable enough talking about kids with her, but he doesn't really say anything incriminating at first. So she arranges to meet with him in person at a hotel in West Palm Beach, Florida. And at the start of this meeting, he gets all handsy and she rejects his advances. And then he pushes through that rejection and uh, asks her to put her hair in pigtails. So she looks a little more childlike. Yeah, that kind of. Yeah. I knew a guy who he was absolutely a fucking pedophile. Uh, He lived in another state. He was a relative of someone I knew. But he at one point went on trial for child porn. And the only reason he wasn't convicted is the prosecution lost his hard drive that had all of the images on it. And they only had printouts of the images. And his lawyer was like, for all we know, you got those printouts from somewhere else. And the judge threw the case out and after he beat that case he immediately married an 18 year old i hate it here so yeah how did they lose the hard drive i don't know i don't know it's i should do a whole episode about that incident at some point it was the weirdest fucking thing it also it's finding that out about someone that you know is so people will do almost anything to deny that 
You know what yeah. I mean? Not you, but I just mean like it's e- like my my cousin married a physician's assistant. So she's basically a doctor. And I talked to you about my abuse and she immediately once I um can I just say it here? I talk about it on Crawlspace a lot. Yeah, I mean that I guess we should address it. I didn't Yeah. Yeah, and I'm fine and I'm and uh, uh, my father molested me uh, a good chunk of my childhood. And God, I say that so I've worked through it a lot. And I, yeah, I I sound so callous about it, but sometimes you have to be. I don't know that callous is the right. Yeah, I don't think word. callous is the word. Yeah. But so that, so my. I don't my, think anyone's at home like, what is she bragging? Why is she saying <laughs> it that way? Guess what happened to me? Uh, <laughs> I guess you're right. Not uh, to but, steal Jared's shine here, but I was also molested. But, but uh, yeah, I didn't know that when I asked you to cover this documentary. And one of the things I told you is that what I really want to do with a lot of my like com- not my comedy, obviously, I'm not. I don't. But like when I, the more like people I that hear me on my my show or. The more like notor, I don't know what word I'm trying to look for. That's not just fame. You know what I mean? But the more I access I have to other people, like people hearing me, I want to talk about this because the victims and survivors aren't believed a lot. It is hush hush. It is like, why didn't you tell someone? And it's like, well, yeah, this happened my whole life. And I, one, I pushed it all down and tried, you know, I got through it the best I could. And my dad was like the second coming to everyone in my life. Like, Everyone in my life told me that my dad was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. And I and I didn't have a mother, really. She had she'd left a long time. You know, I mean, she's kind of she was in and out. Right. Yeah. And so people were telling me, like, you're lucky someone wanted you because your mom left. Jesus. And and the thing that like and I, I grew up being like, my dad's the best thing that ever happened to me, like a weird, broken record. But all I knew is. I did everything I could not to be alone with him. He made my skin crawl. And then a lot of people don't believe me now because it's easier to make me a liar than it is to believe this man that they loved so much could possibly do that. And right. and when I met my, what brings me to this, I met my cousin married a doctor, a physician's assistant, which is like a step down from a doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I met her and I'm with my family. My dad is, my dad died, by the way. Uh, so who won? You know what I mean? Um, exactly. I ran into a woman that knew me when I was very young and I still hadn't really talked about my abuse. I ran into her the other day and I hadn't seen her in 18 years and we hugged each other and I pulled away and I said, he died. And she goes, oh my God, congratulations. <laughs> and like, <laughs> like literally, like it was like free at last, fucking yeah. free at last, right? Yeah. But like, so I'm with my family and I meet my, my cousin's new girlfriend or new fiance and the way they talked about my dad, the way I reacted in the room, we were alone in the kitchen hours later or whatever. And she goes, he abused you, didn't he? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, I believe you. And yeah. then we've gotten closer. And she's told me the amount of children that have reported someone in their family touching them inappropriately. And when she goes to the parents, the parents so often so call the kid a liar because it is the human brain it is easier to wrap your head around the fact that your kid just lied than it is that this person you love could do that you know what i mean and like yeah. and i'm not making excuses for anybody in the dog i just i just know like i've just lived it and i accept it with a lot of my family members where they just and you know i i don't see them ever or often unless it's like a funeral you know what i mean because it is just like i understand it's easier to make me a villain than to admit that someone you loved so much is a monster 
so yeah, I guess we should address that. Thank you for the space for that. Well, of course. Yeah. And yeah, like in the future, if we're ever covering something about like a fucking bear fucking someone up and you're like, hey, a bear slashed me six months ago, just let me know and we'll cover something else. But I also really appreciate you doing this episode. I think, thank you. And I think I am recovered from it enough. And I think it's, at least for me as a survivor, it's important important for me to talk about it. And I think it's important for you to have someone on this type of episode who's been through that kind of thing. Because yeah. we might have someone who's a survivor who's been lis- who's listening now. And it just, I don't, I just think I, I want to be a voice for it because I somehow survived it. And not a lot of people are that lucky. Yeah. So now let's go back to talking about Jared, <laughs> I guess. God damn. Also, can I say before we go back to the documentary, as I told you before we started recording, if you weren't you, I would have said no. And I would have had no problem emailing you and being like, nope, you're not. You're a safe person. Well, I appreciate that. And so, yeah, I would. I have very strong boundaries around this. And I would have never, even if it was this morning, I would have been cool burning a bridge, you know, but you're a very safe. And I know I wouldn't have, but that's why, because you're a very safe person. Well, and I'm feel safe here so thank you for saying that i appreciate that yeah all right here we go all right let's talk about fucking jared again so yeah he asked her to put her her hair in pigtails and get all kid like and then he's like i gotta piss and she gets the fuck out of there he calls her and is like what happened and she gives him some lie like jared strikes me as a little naive I think a really experienced criminal in that moment would have been like oh i might have to murder her like that. Yeah. Or like, like just never talk yeah, to her again. Yeah. yeah. We should probably Denied. cut yeah. ties. But nope. He he keeps hanging out. And the thing about that encounter, she had a recording device in her purse, but it didn't really record the way she was hoping it would. Mm-hmm. So now she has to keep the relationship going, which this is one of those true crime documentaries that could probably be a movie. It really turns into that thing you see in like CIA movies where someone will be undercover and they're like, I'm in too deep. And they're like, you got to stay in there. And it's like (laughs) ruining this person's life. And they're obviously getting way too close to the person that they are surveilling. And that absolutely happens here. Like, this ruins Rochelle's life. This ruined this woman's life. Yeah, I think it speaks a lot about her that she still followed through with it. Because at the end of the day, this is kind of worth having your life ruined over. Yeah. This really is like getting a monster off the streets. And so fucking good for her, you know? And I think at some point she said, it ruined my life, but I don't regret it. It would have ruined my life either way. If I had done nothing, I wouldn't have been able to live with myself. Right. Like, I imagine that would be even worse. Like, if you do... He'd still be on our TVs. So, yeah, Rochelle's keeping this relationship going. And meanwhile, Jared is becoming even more of a celebrity. He's meeting the president and shit. He's going to schools all over the country. And during this time, she resumes a long-distance phone relationship with Jared. And over time, she gets him to start talking about his attraction to young girls. But not just girls, it's girls and boys, both. It's Yeah, it seems like he didn't, he just likes, it didn't matter what the gender was. 
Yeah, at one point she gets him to admit that he is attracted to them, quote, because they just have such nice, pure bodies. Oh, God. Ugh, fucking gross. It's like, have you seen an adult woman's body? Yeah. Amazing. An adult man, too. Way yeah, better sure. than both. Better. Both. Way better. Always. Way better. My God. So in mid to late 2007, she gets a call from Jared and he just like lays it all out. He talks about how hot it would be to have sex with a nine or 10 year old. And that's the point where she goes to the FBI. And that is where this documentary gets really fucking frustrating. Mm hmm. Because I think we all want to believe that you slide that across the FBI's desk and a fucking red light goes off and people storm out of the room and kick Jared's door in. Yeah, period. You, yeah. you pick him up, you put him in a room, and then you do the investigation. But that does not happen. No. Instead, they kind of threaten to arrest her. They're like, well... He didn't know you were recording him, and that is a crime in this state. So you could actually go to jail over this, but if you keep recording him under our terms, then we won't arrest you. So they basically made her an FBI agent, but like unpaid. And that's the other thing. The toll this takes on her family. She had two kids, Mm -hmm. and these two kids... The whole time this is happening, she's carrying on this like phone relationship with Jared, trying to get incriminating evidence. And after every phone call, she has to drive out into the night and deliver the recording to an FBI agent at an abandoned parking lot in the middle of the night in Indianapolis. So, you know, it's cold as shit, like two thirds of the time she has to do it. And all the while, her kids are like, is there a bad man after us? Yeah. What's happening? She said sometimes she'd had to go twice in a night because he would call twice. Yeah. So she, after delivering one package, she'd get home and he'd want to talk about his stuff again. And then she'd have to go back like, and that would, that alone, even if they were pay, I mean, that's wild. They didn't pay her too. Cause it's like, yes, this woman lost everything. And like having those conversations with that kind of monster, there is no way that doesn't fuck up your brain chemistry. You know what I mean? There is no yes. way that doesn't make you have some kind of psychotic break. Well, because, like, she had to be on the phone with him and listen to him say all this crazy shit, but, like, not react and not be like, what? what? <laughs> like, she what? She said she throw up sometimes did you after. Just, yeah. I wanted to throw up watching this documentary. There like, were times I was nauseous and had to turn it off and, and go do something safe. Yeah, I get why she would want to throw up talking to this dude and so then they talk about the jared foundation we touched on it a little bit earlier but this is a thing he set up a few years into his subway fame where he would just travel the country giving inspirational speeches about weight loss to kids by day and then you know sexually abuse kids by night there had to have been more than 14 victims Oh, sure. There's no way it wasn't just 14. Yeah, that was 14 they could find or that came forward. They were able to convict on. The things he forgot to delete, probably. Yeah. And they talk about a guy named Russell Taylor who ran the Jared Foundation. And it seems like at least, I mean, what they imply is that Jared like had these tendencies and then when he met russell taylor who had the same tendencies it was just like 
fire and gasoline meeting. And they just, for a few years, just kind of zigzagged the country, giving speeches at schools and then sexually abusing kids. Which, like, I don't know if I'm supposed to be like, hmm, if it wasn't for Russell Taylor, Jared wouldn't have done any of this. I don't give a fuck. Like, you know, when a documentary has me agreeing with cops, you know the person in question did some shit. And at at one point, they talk about a text Russell Taylor sent to Jared Fogle because they do have a pretty hard time finding hard evidence against Jared Fogle at first. But they talk about this text that Russell Taylor sent him, and it's a picture of a naked child. And this detective is like, Jared Fogle could have texted back and been like, don't send me that. I'm not Mm -hmm. interested in that. That's not my kind of thing. But he like enthusiastically replied. So I don't and give he, a I think f- he replied, when am I going to be able to pound that? I do believe those were the exact words. Yeah, and they blank out a few words after that, which... Oh, there, was, there was also some of the conversations that I found, too, that was like, the law is just such a fucked up thing. Because some of the conversations where Jared was admitting that he was going to Thailand a lot and having sex with children in Thailand. And the FBI was like, unfortunately, that's not illegal in Thailand. So we know he's doing it somewhere, but we can't do anything because we don't have jurisdiction over there. And it's like, not only is that burn down the world, is it not illegal there until very recently, you could not be prosecuted in the United States for it. Like if you came back to the U.S. and like went on TV and you were like, you're not going to believe all the kids I had sex with in Thailand because it's not a crime there. It wasn't a crime here. Interestingly enough, that changed because the Amber Alert girl, whose name I cannot remember, there were crime bills signed into law because of what happened to the girl who inspired the Amber Alert. I can't remember her last name or first name's Amber, but Eventually, one of the later iterations of one of those bills, one that was passed, I think, just a few years ago, finally made it a crime to, say, go to Thailand and have sex with kids where it's like maybe not legal, but also not frowned upon. But if you come back here and the U.S. government finds out you did that, now you can be prosecuted here. Good. But at the time Jared was doing this. Nah. Not a crime. Yeah. Sex tourism is what they called it, which very, very apologetic term for that, to put it mildly. wild? Yeah. We come up with these adorable, like, phrases to, like, describe. In it. (laughs) Sexual tourism. Hilarious. You know what I like? Just Jesus. They interview two girls in this, Hannah and Christian. I thought it was weird that they described them as Russell Taylor's stepdaughters. I think they were his stepdaughters. I get that they were, but like, are they still? Like, do they still, are they still calling Russell Taylor dad? I'm sure they're not. No, they should have been like Russell Taylor's victims. Victims, yeah. But I think maybe when they first, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe they were just trying to not be like, these are victims right away. Or maybe. Yeah, maybe they were trying to keep some mystery going. Because. But it also, as soon as you see two young girls who look that sad and that broken. Oh, yeah. You know, someone in the documentary raped him, you know, like something yeah. happened to him. Yeah. You know, they're not here to be like, actually, nothing happened to us, but we won the lottery recently. Yeah. Hmm. Great stepdad, by the way. This whole yeah. thing blew blew us away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They talk about Russell Taylor. Their mom met him on a dating 
app, apparently. Mm -hmm. And before she met him, she was like super religious. She went to church a bunch, very Christian lady. Mm -hmm. And then she meets Russell Taylor and just turns into like a party hound and starts encouraging the kids to drink with them and talk about sex more. At one point, Russell makes a compilation video of one of the girls playing softball and it rightfully weirds her out. Yeah. She's like, no one else, like no one's parents on this team are doing that for their kids. Like, why are you new stepdad doing this for me? And she yeah. had every fucking reason to be concerned. But what's funny is then after she said it freaked her out, then she was like, but then I thought, well, you know, he does have the production company and maybe I'm just being, like our first instinct is always right, but we will cover it up because it's like, well, then you have to be like, oh, my stepdad's making this weird video because of X, Y, and Z. Instead, it's like, you know, he does have that production company that he, he likes <laughs> movies, I guess. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, it's fine that you're making a video of my daughter. Weird. Mom. Yeah, the mom. I mean, we're ruining the Shyamalan twist, but the mom is the Shyamalan twist in this. But yeah. we'll get there. Yeah, so we'll get there. now, again, I mentioned this documentary bounces around on the timeline a lot. Yeah. A lot. And it, I think it does get a little distracting, but it's a minor complaint. This is, as horrifying as the subject matter is, this is a good documentary. It's, it's well, a well-made, yeah, yeah it's informative really, well made it's not you don't feel like the victims are being exploited for entertainment like this is a story that needs to be told because again people see a public persona like jared from subway and they're like okay he can't be that bad he's so nice in the commercials and it's like he is a fucking monster so anyway they're bouncing around a bunch and they go back to rochelle's phone calls with jared and they start getting more detailed and he starts admitting to actual sex crimes he says the youngest kid he'd been with was like 11 or 12 but also again the fbi in their opinion they're like that could just be him bragging like Not he could crime. be yeah, yeah he could just be making stuff up and this is where they talk about her having to meet with them in like dark parking lots at night which is the kind of shit you think only happens in movies, but they're like, no, it the, was the safest thing. The handler, the agent was like, I've I've dealt with a lot of CIs and a lot of undercovers. And unfortunately, these people are putting their lives at risk. And so we can't just like meet at a 7-Eleven on a Tuesday afternoon in broad daylight. Right. It's like, just in case she's being followed, it puts her life in danger. And in it makes sense, but you're right. Very movie-like. And especially if you're dealing with someone like Jared Fogle, who had a shit ton of money by this point. So he's got resources. He could send people after her. They could follow her. And so, yeah, it makes sense. But, God, it was rough on her and her family. Because we should also mention she's a single mom by this point. Yeah. Like, I don't know where the husband is. There, He wasn't. Yeah, they, they briefly touched on him. and They don't really talk about it. But, yeah, like, they interview her son a bunch. He seems to still be kind of all right with Rochelle. Yeah. They don't interview the daughter at all. It seems like they don't fucking talk at all. Well, the daughter found all, because so she was keeping very extensive diaries. Rochelle was very extensive diaries. Yes. And, you know, she had, and one day she had left and came back and her office had been messed with. 
and the daughter, the very young daughter, had read some of these journals. Yeah. And I think that that's hard to turn back from that. Well, it would be an easy thing to take the wrong way, too. Yeah. That's what, yeah. Like, if you're reading that out of context, it, oof. Yeah, that would be, that would be rough for a kid. So, at one point, the kids, Hannah and Christian, find out that Russell works for Jared. And they decide they want to meet him. Because, again, Jared big celebrity at the time he arranges it so jared starts showing up a bunch and he becomes really interested in one of their friends and this is a friend who was 15 at the time and he starts talking about wanting to have sex with her and hannah tells this friend about this and the friend freaks out and is like why is this grown man talking about things like this to you or just in general and that's the part where hannah and christian start to suspect there's something weird about jared and i know people at home are like didn't you like immediately as soon as he said that suspect that it was weird but by this point their mom along with russell taylor are both like really introducing sex into this household and like encouraging these girls to talk about sex to be more sexual worth noting one of them is 12 yeah he told her it's time for her to go have sex and she was like no i'm good yeah seems like you're rushing it a little bit yeah i'm I'm all right yeah Yeah. like and they're drinking with the kids they're partying with the kids like the mom is like age is just a number was something that they said was a quote that they said a lot in their household yeah And people at home who say, wouldn't the alarm bells go off like that, have never been groomed. This is grooming. You know what I mean? So when you're a kid that is being groomed, sure, there are things that like innately you're like, this seems fucked up. But this person who loves me and has cared for me are supposed to do all those things. You don't think they're not loving and caring. You know what I mean? Grooming is... Something I don't think we talk about enough in this society, too, you know? And especially not if it's your mom. Your fucking mom. Like, you're just gonna kind of... Like, you hear that with abuse victims all the time, that, like, you get to a point where it's like, oh, well, this just must be how it is. And it's so weird, because I remember, like, I felt that way, but I also knew deep down I was not allowed to tell anybody. You know what I mean? Like, there was, like, two very polarizing... Like, one... This is just the way it is, but also it's a fucking secret. And if you don't, t- if you tell someone you will die, you know, like, and, but so don't ever talk about it, but he loves you and he wants the best for you. And this isn't what you think it is. You know what? Like, it's a weird. And also you're a kid. You're Our kids don't even fully develop until we're like 25 and they're feeding them booze and cigarettes. So anybody at home who's going, why didn't the alarm bells go off now? Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> that's, where, are, that's where I get triggered. Fuck. They are children yeah and And especially when you're talking teens like when i was 15 if my mom all of a sudden pivoted to hey we should just drink all the time i feel like i would have drank all the time because as a teen i wanted to party and it wasn't like how grooming works is you don't just here's a beer so how often are you masturbating you know what i mean it doesn't it's very gradual it's like I'm going to gain your trust. Here's some beer. Here's some alcohol. Oh, fun. Have you got, you know, it is psychologically, not impressive is the wrong word, but like, it is like a long game. You know what I mean? Like 
they're not just sitting these little girls down and out of nowhere being like, you want to fuck? Like, it's like a psychological game to groom and yeah and you're a kid and you trust that these people love you and everyone around you is telling you how great they are america is telling you how great jared is you know like right so it's of course alarm bells went off but they probably didn't recognize them because yeah. they were so far in and yeah so we already talked about the part where rochelle's daughter finds the diaries that she's been keeping of all of her phone calls with Jared. This is the point where Rochelle is like, to the FBI, she's like, listen, this is wrecking my family. This is wrecking my life. We have to wrap this up. Like, you know this guy is clearly a pedophile. And so they decide to wrap it up by way of a sting operation. Oh, God. And Rochelle, in her own words, says she basically sets a honeypot for Jared and tells him that her son's birthday is coming up and asks if he will come down for the party. And he obviously is an enthusiastic yes. He tells her that he wants her to watch him have sex with a child and several other shocking and horrifying things. Then he asks if he can see her kids naked, which... Ugh. That had to be as rough as this was for her, that moment. And she talks about how, like, that was different. Like, that moment was different when he was yeah. like, because I mean, then. Before, they were just, they weren't, there were no names to the kids either. It wasn't, I don't even think it was just that she didn't know they weren't her kids, but there were no, there were several levels. Like, one, it's her kids, but then before there wasn't faces, names, you know, it was just like a broad, I'm a pedophile conversation. That sounds really, you know what I'm trying to say, though, I think. Yeah, that's hitting really close to home, which makes me wonder and kind of worry about his kids. And they didn't interview them. They don't touch on it a lot, but he was married and had two kids. And the fact that he would hit her up that way and be like, well, can I see your kids naked? It makes me worry about his kids because... I mean, spoiler alert, but that's what ends up being the thing that's going on with Hannah and Christian is, among other things, Russell Taylor is filming them in their room. And, like, I get that they're not his blood relation, but they're like his they're, stepdaughters. Like They he's, trusted him. They and looked at him as a father. Yeah, they were his kids. Like, I have no reason to believe Jared wouldn't have pulled this shit with his own kids. No. Which is bad. Very bad. That's me speculating. I hope that's not the case. My I hope only hope is that maybe he was just out there making money and the wife was just always at home with the kids. And yeah, that was part of his squeaky clean persona. Yeah, it seems like he definitely got one over on the wife. Oh, she good for her. Because some wives, like, or not wives, but some people in these scenarios are like, stand by my partner. This can't be true. She immediately divorced him, came out, was like, we are gone. We are done. I am horrified. Didn't she, like, sue Subway? Oh, did she? I, I, I feel like the... she did or something along those lines. But, Good. like, she's not the hero of this. But it was at least refreshing that, hey, at least Jared's wife wasn't a fucking pedophile and even hearing myself too. say it it's like yeah but also when russell taylor got busted jared was like what a disgusting pedophile so yeah. i don't know but yeah it seems like jared's wife was on the up and up which 
That's good. So it's a good part of this whole thing. The FBI and Rochelle decide to launch the sting operation around her son's birthday party. He asks if he can see her kids naked. And then if he had actually traveled to Florida for that, that would have been a crime the FBI could have arrested him on. Because that is him making arrangements, having this agreement, and traveling across state lines, which shows intent is the way they describe it in the documentary. But it ends up that his schedule changed. So he ended up not going. He tried to come earlier. Right. And like basically was like, can I come see your kids naked earlier? Like, can I come on Friday instead of Sunday? Like it was like very, can we set up cameras in their room? And so now she has to continue recording calls. And it continues to wreck her relationship with her kids. She starts getting paranoid about people following her. But then, out of the blue, Russell Taylor ends up getting arrested for possessing and producing child porn, which I remember this part. I remember like in life. Yeah, I I just remember it happening. I remember hearing that the head of Jared Fogel's foundation had been arrested for child porn and just being like, I bet Jared's in on it. Oh, man, I don't. And I might have just I tend to stick far away from those kind of news stories. Like, just because it's like, yeah, it makes you, I I don't ever want to live in a world where we think everybody is capable of this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it gets harder and harder as we progress. But so he gets arrested. He gets 500 counts or 500 for like videos, photos of children porn. He's got a stockpile. He's like a doomsday prepper who thinks he's going to survive just on child porn. It's nuts. And so back to Rochelle, by 2010, she had lost touch with Jared. And meanwhile, he's still out there meeting kids at schools and whatnot. That would be so fucking hard to live with. The FBI tells her she can't tell anyone about it, but they also aren't doing anything about it. So she tries going to the local authorities, the Sarasota PD, and she plays them the tapes and they're horrified by what they hear. But also he lives out of state. And so there were no crimes committed in Sarasota. So it's outside their jurisdiction and they can't do anything. I think we need to revisit that as a nation uh, because that's why Ted Bundy was able to just go around for a long time because jurisdictions didn't want to overstep their jurisdiction. Yeah. And like, they didn't want to talk to each other. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, I feel like that's a thing we should revisit as a society. So then she decides that, uh, she's going to play the tapes on her radio show. Like all of these tapes she has of Jared, because by this time he still hasn't been arrested. So she's like subway. We're able to really clean break from that, that Russell stuff. Not yes. Russell. What's his name? Russell. Russell Taylor. Taylor. They Yeah, they were able to really wipe their hands scot-free from all that for a little bit, right? Yeah, because Jared issued a statement after Russell Taylor got arrested. And he was like, yeah, I don't, I don't fuck with that guy. He's a disgusting creep. Am I right? I'm oh. horrified. Yeah, oh my God. I can't believe. Can it, show me the pictures again. I can't. Yeah, I should oh. probably hold on to some of those. Yeah, I can't believe what I'm looking at. So, yeah, in response to Rochelle saying she's going to play the tapes on her show, the FBI fucking raids the studio where she records her radio show. And they also raid her home and they take all of her fucking recordings of Jared. So it's like at this point, like, is he a fucking federal agent? What is happening? 
Yeah, why are they raiding her before they raid him? They should have raided him, which leads to be like, maybe she should have just played these tapes right away. And yeah, sure, it's a crime. But at least if I'm going to go down, I will burn this the house down with me. Like, you know, like. Yeah. So by this point, Jared is worth $15 million. He's very rich. He's very powerful. And now we cut to 2014 in Indianapolis. A detective with the Indiana State Police named Chuck Cohen gets a call from a state trooper saying he'd heard about a guy sending images of bestiality, which for the uninitiated, for the 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 squares <laughs> listening to this, that's when a person has sex with an animal. I mean, could it get more like, do you guys just like things that don't consent? Is that is that a, is it a like what could it get more when they pulled that out? I was like, oh, I'm going to throw up again. Yeah, I didn't expect bestiality to be the thing, No, but it gets weirder. Mm-hmm. They end up serving a search warrant on Russell Taylor for the bestiality stuff. They were looking for videos depicting sex with animals and they find that. And the woman in the video they find is Russell Taylor's wife. Hannah and Christian's mom having sex with an unnamed animal. But they also find cameras hidden in the girls' rooms. And they find videos of Hannah and Christian and a bunch of other friends. I'm going to be honest. I saw that coming. I saw that coming, yeah. The mom being in the animal porn videos. The mom being any of it. I thought she was just... There is the true crime giveaway where they're not interviewing the mom at all. Oh, I figured she was in... Oh, yeah. So as the documentary goes on, you're like, why aren't they talking? Because it sounds like the mom... At first, it seems like they're going to paint the mom as a victim also. But, oh, no. No, 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 no. That was a fucking twist. And... This is where Hannah and Christian start talking about how much sex was a talking point in the household after their mom met Russell Taylor. One of the girls who was 12 at the time, like we already said, Russell told her she should be having sex more. And the other girl, who I think was 15, at one point she comes home and Russell's like, hey, I left something for you on the bed. Oh, yeah. And she gets up there and it's a dildo. And there's also a laptop that is open up to a porn site. And in retrospect, they're both like, well, they were just trying to get us to do sex stuff on camera. Like they had cameras in our room. And they do talk about having to look at some of the videos and like identify themselves in the videos, identify their friends. And having to tell their friends. Yeah. Ugh. And so when the news about Russell Taylor comes out, like we mentioned, Jared Fogle initially releases a statement about how he's disgusted by the things Russell Taylor is accused of, and he will no longer have any association with him. But, uh uh-oh, in the course of that Russell Taylor bestiality investigation, they start looking through Russell Taylor's texts and find that he sent a picture of a naked child to Jared Fogle. And Jared Fogle responds very excitedly. And this is the point where the cops, like, he could have been like, don't send me this. I'm not into this. There were so many responses, so many things he could have said. So 
even if it's just him responding to a text and looking at a picture, you know what the fuck was in his heart. Yeah. Like you said, a very dumb criminal, too. <laughs> like, yeah. the amount of texting that he was doing, I'm glad he's dumb. He's, you know, off the streets because of it. But, but yeah, he could have said anything. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> Agreed. And so now they do have enough evidence to raid Jared Fogel's home. And they do, and they walk out with 5.6 terabytes of information to review to give people at home a little scale in terms of how much that is, I have a Google Drive that has like every Unpops thing ever, like the raw files, all of it. Mm -hmm. And we've been doing this since 2016. And a lot of those are WAV files, which are big files. It's approximately 1.2 terabytes. So Jared Fogle had a lot of shit on that computer. They arrested him right away and then raided it, right? I think so, yeah. Okay. And yeah, this is the part where it comes out that Subway maybe knew about what Jared was getting up to and just didn't really say anything. Of course they couldn't. Which... You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but also I don't know why they couldn't. This like, campaign was making them a lot of money, a lot of like Subway. No one really thought anything of Subway. I mean, Subway was just a fast food. Cha- like it wasn't like a McDonald's. You know what I mean? Like this, this campaign. But also like on- if they turned in their own spokesperson for child porn, the public would have responded to that positively. Yeah. But I don't think people in boardrooms are there like this yeah, could ruin us. You yeah, know what I mean? think that way. But that would have absolutely been the move to be like the minute we found out about this. Of course, we were like that should have been their new campaign the next year. Subway. We're not pedophile apologists, but uh, maybe they didn't. Maybe they didn't do anything about it. So Rochelle's recordings finally do bear some fruit when they are entered into evidence at Jared's trial and they are used as proof that there was no like momentary lapse in judgment he's not like a guy who got led astray he's just a fucking criminal pedophile pedophile rapist yeah but then he only gets 15 years and this was what like 2015 so almost done yeah he's he'll be out behavior and he's a rich dude he's probably not in regular prison i don't know what prison he's in i actually was scared to even look I was afraid to hear how much he got. And then when I heard, I was like, cool. He would have gotten more had he murdered one of those kids. Yes. Like, or that's... again, if these children were adults, like think about the time Bill Cosby got. Like his sentence was pretty fucking lengthy. Granted, he got out, which is some shit. Well, Weinstein but... is yeah. like two lifetimes now in there. His life is in prison. Right. And meanwhile, Jared Fogel's out here abusing kids children children and he's gonna be out he could do another fucking subway commercial i wish someone would kill him in prison like i hope it's a bad prison time for him i normally shy away from saying i wish people would die on podcasts but yeah if someone probably should have that rule too yeah but like if he got jeffrey dahmer in prison that wouldn't be the worst no 
But also Jeffrey Dahmer was poor. Jared's yeah. probably just all the people who would murder him. He's probably paid off in ramen noodles by yeah, this point. He's fine. And he's probably not in regular prison. Like he's yeah. not. Ugh. The only solace I have is knowing that when he gets out, his life is over. Like Brock Turner that guy will never get to live a regular life. Brock Turner's the kid that raped a woman behind a dumpster yeah. and only got six months in jail because the judge said that was a moment in a in time for him and it was just a mistake. Mm. And so he, like, it's the greatest part about that is at least his name is everyone knows who he is and the and like at least Jared Fogle is so famous and as such that his life will never be good again. You know what? Like yeah. his, he'll be watched. Someone may kill him. You know, one of these victims who know, like his life is over. At least he doesn't he... get to live as a free man when he's free. Yeah. Russell Taylor ended up getting more than 20 years in prison, which not a lot. Again, the twist here is Hannah and Christian's mom. The FBI ends up finding texts between her and Russell where she's, talking about wanting to have sex with her own kids and wanting to watch them have sex. And so she was super duper complicit in everything that happened to her own children and all of their friends. And what's crazy is she ends up not getting sentenced until I think 2021. I think a lot. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Very recently. 2020 is when they called those two girls and was like, hey, yeah, we're going to open a criminal investigation to get your mom and we have to tell you some hard stuff yeah she ends up getting more than 30 years in prison and i know that might seem backwards but i don't think it is because in the case of jared fogel and russell taylor and this isn't this obviously doesn't make it better but it wasn't their own kids with her it's her own fucking kids which is a whole other level of depravity and so i'm fine with her getting the longest sentence i just think everyone should have gotten longer sentences than they did like if she could get 30 years jared could get 30 years jared got less than a year per victim basically or just a little more than a year per victim and that was just victims that they could prove right like yeah most serial killers are convicted of like five murders because they can only prove those five but that it's like but we know that they actually murdered upwards of this many. you know what i mean like we could yeah and she's i just those girls you just look at them and they're like i'm glad that this documentary happened for them because i feel like victims should get to tell their story and should get and like you said it was in a way that it wasn't we're exploiting you yeah it's a good documentary it's an important documentary it needs to exist and i just don't i don't know if i would recommend it like it definitely comes with a big trigger warning and even if you're not a person who's been through this kind of thing you're not going to feel great it's not an easy watch yeah you're not going to come out the other end like there are moments in this documentary that i've still like been thinking about that yeah oh yeah it's not an easy watch and rochelle she she developed some sort of disease and is now i don't know if she still will be wheelchair bound but she like this this thing ruined her and it ended with her saying it ruined my life but yeah i'd do it again because 
that guy's off the streets and yeah and not just off the streets but it seems like he's at least not going to be in that position again where he can be jared from subway and go out and talk to kids about inspirational tales of weight loss like no the fact that she video recorded him it is unrefuted proof right yeah. is that the right word yeah that no one can go because with the Michael Jackson stuff, people still say the victims may have been looking for a payday. Yeah. And but with this, it's like these are the tapes. And that woman was able to give that to every like us as a society that this guy is not going to get to like. But I mean, Bill Cosby's talking about touring again. So, yeah, else, I guess. <laughs> but like fucking let him whatever. Just. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is a tough documentary, but I'm glad I, I actually went into this thinking it was going to be along the lines of like the Glee documentary, which is on Investigation Discovery also, that I fucking hate. It is the reason I started this podcast. I feel like it's so gross and disrespectful and just like shouldn't exist. But this one, this documentary needs to exist. Like people need to know Sometimes, yes, there is this big of a disparity between a person's public persona and who they really are. Like that's yeah. that's important information to put out there in the world. And like Rochelle deserved her moment. Like she deserved to have her part of the story told in this way also. So it's a rough I, watch, but it's a good documentary. And I think too, the more I talk about my experiences, the more I am told other people's stories. And there are way more than you think. I mean, yeah. like the amount. And I think that maybe one of the reasons why these monsters are able to hide in plain sight the way they are is because they bank on our society, not being comfortable talking about it you know i think it's i yeah. mean i don't know if they're like no but you know what i mean like it's like it's such a secret and such so heinous that a lot it's it's and then there's also people won't believe you or people will be like yeah but and i just think exposing this part of humanity is so important because we might be able to maybe not cure it but eliminate help eliminate some of it you know what like maybe talking about this there will be an, you know enough people there will be another little kim somewhere that will see or hear that she's not alone and maybe We'll tell an adult instead of just thinking this is somehow a secret and I shouldn't. It's shameful even. And now I'm like, it's not my shame. It's that guy's shame. But as a kid, yeah. it was mine. And I think these documentaries and these conversations are important. So maybe the people who are still suffering will know that they're not alone and they can get help. Tell someone, you know. God, this is a heavy podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> We are five eps in, and I have cried twice. Yeah. That's, maybe that's not enough, because we've also talked about, like, genocides and things of the sort, and I didn't cry at all. But This is, this is a tough subject. It is. It and is. I'm, I'm happy that you—this was this was tough for me, um, but I'm happy I'm here, and I'm happy. Thank you. Like, I'm I happy we— I appreciate you doing it. Uh, God damn. Should yeah. we wrap it up? Yeah, yeah. I got to go— Take some pictures. Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My eyes get really pretty, though, when I cry. So I set hopefully. you up nicely for that. Perfect. Uh, Kim, thank you so, so much for doing this episode. Thank you. I'll have you on. I, I would say I'll have you on more upbeat stuff, but that just means it'll be like 
about run of the mill murders and things. So not much more being on the hard ones. (laughs) I feel like I handle the hard ones. This was really good. Uh, Do you have anything to plug before we get out of here? You know, I will say with this and normally I lightly be like, I have a podcast, but I do talk a lot about my story on my podcast um, and how I sort of have walked through it as my, as an adult. So if you are wanting, I mean, I also am funny and talk about pooping my pants. So there are, there it's a balance on there, but you know, I mean, if you're someone that wants to listen to a survivor, talk about how I've, I should have a needle in my arm. You know what I like? I should not be here. And so I, you know, this is, I feel like this is a good place to plug crawl space. Um, and I have email open all the time. Uh, I have had listeners email me about their experiences, uh, Kim crawlspace at gmail.com. If you want resources, if you're a victim or a survivor, if you want resources, I have a lot of, I'm not a doctor, obviously, or a psychiatrist, but I have. Wait, what? Uh, I know, what? Uh, I booked you for your medical expertise. <laughs> no. Well, I've been lying to you for a long time. Damn it. But if you, I mean, I have resources. If you are someone who yeah. has been through something like this and you're, you know, there's help out there. And I'm my email is always open. Please reach out. Um, I will just plug that if you want to know what we're covering next, follow us on Instagram at True Crime Sucks. Oh yeah, I gotta follow that. Are you gonna follow me back? Of course. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I posted about this documentary. So oh, about Let's fifteen oh. about fifteen Instagram <laughs> fans so far. Very depressed. It's a new podcast. We just started the Instagram. Uh, And yeah, follow us on Instagram. I think that's it. We should get out of here. Kim, thank you so much. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you. What? (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. I say, Adam, thank you. You You say bye. (laughs) No, you say bye. (laughs) Bye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.